Hello and welcome to this GBM Media Podcast. You're about to hear Serving Today, a programme for pastors and church leaders. If you're involved in any form of Bible teaching, be that one-to-one or in small or larger groups, Serving Today will be relevant for you. Welcome to Serving Today, the programme for pastors and church leaders. This is Andrew Cook. I'm pleased to be in your company again. Paul's letter to the Ephesians. We continue our studies with Ray Tibbs. And Derek French joins us with the series on the names of Christ. Here on Serving Today, we come to the end of the third chapter of Ephesians, which we're going through with the help of Ray Tibbs. Last time we looked at the second prayer of Paul, which starts in verse 14 of chapter 3. How does Paul bring this to a close? Well, here's Ray to explain further. Well, after his prayer, now in verses 20 and 21, he gives a glorious threefold note of praise to conclude what for us is this chapter. Which says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, for ever and ever. Amen. Yes, that's wonderful. First of all, we are hearing that God is able. The ability of God is far beyond our understanding that even Paul piles up one term after another. It is clear that he has not begun to touch the edge of God's capacity. Whatever we may ask for, he is able. If there is something we think of but dare not ask for because it is apparently impossible, he is able. If we combined all the requests we have made with the unspoken desires we had, he is able. He's not limited to our requests and thoughts. He is able to do more. God does not provide the minimum requirements of more. He is able to provide more in abundance. The abundance of God's providence is insufficient to match his generosity. His ability is immeasurable. Ray, how or why could Paul make such a statement? Well, this is on the basis, first of all, of observation of the world around him in creation and history. Then, on the basis of God's own declaration in his word concerning the infinite and absolute power that God has. For example, in Isaiah 43 at verse 13. And then in the experience of the transformation in his own life far beyond any expectations he might have had. This should be a great encouragement to us in our prayers. Not to limit ourselves to needs, but to seek the activation of the limitless ability of God. God is able. That's the first part of Paul's note of praise. What else does Paul say? Yes, he goes on to say that God is working. The outworking of the 
immense statement just made becomes focused in the reality of personal circumstances. God's ability is already being used in us now. Look, for example, at chapter 1 at verse 19. Even if it is not spectacular or forceful, God always works with power, radically and effectively. He has dealt powerfully with sin and Satan and death and can do yet more. However, we must make sure we trust the one who is powerful rather than the power itself. This is a further help to our prayers. Not only is God able, but God is already specifically active in appropriate ways with power in our lives. His work differs from one to another, but it is still very real. So Paul praises God because he is able and he is at work. How does he bring this second prayer in Ephesians to a close? Paul says that God is glorious. The end to which God is using his ability in us is to his own glory, not ours. His glory cannot be added to, but it can be revealed, observed and acknowledged increasingly as time goes on. And then fully once time has ended. It is in and through his own people that this comes about. The church declares and shows that he is glorious. It is evident in this world, although veiled, and it will be unmistakable in the world to come. Ray, we have to be honest and say that so much of the time prayer is a challenge How does Paul's prayer encourage us here? Yes, again, this truth helps us in our praying. Whatever enhances his glory in and through us, he will do. Whatever detracts from it, he will not do. Our poor petitions may reflect a poor view of God. Our needs fill our hearts and minds much more than God does. And so we ask amiss. The Lord Jesus taught all our prayers should end on this note. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen indeed. This is Serving Today, the programme for pastors and church leaders. We're joined once again by our good friend Derek French in the series on the names of Christ. In many cases, the titles that are applied to the Lord Jesus Christ have their background in the Old Testament, and this next one is no exception. So here's Derek. The name of Christ we're going to consider in this programme is found in two Old Testament prophets, so it has a prophetic element to it. In Jeremiah 23 verse 5, he's called a righteous branch, while in Zechariah 3 verse 8, he's called my servant the branch, and similarly in Zechariah 6 verse 12. Today we shall concentrate on Jeremiah 23. 
In Jeremiah 23, the Lord, through Jeremiah, had been exposing the wickedness of the rulers over God's people. He probably has in mind King Zedekiah, as he's mentioned in Jeremiah 21, and also he appointed as his subordinates, including councillors and priests, those who ruled the country in an appallingly sinful way. They're described as shepherds in Jeremiah 23 verse 1 who had not cared for the people, the Lord's flock, as they should have done. The Lord declared in verse 2, Therefore thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the shepherds who care for my people, they have scattered my flock and have driven them away, and you have not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for your evil deeds, declares the Lord. They had not been honest and diligent and had abused their trust. In 2 Chronicles 36, you find these words about King Zedekiah in particular, and it gives the flavour of his sad reign in verses 11 and 12. Zedekiah was 21 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord his God, and he did not humble himself before Jeremiah the prophet, who spoke from the mouth of the Lord. So this was the unhappy state the Lord's people found themselves in. But Jeremiah had words of hope for these sorely tried people. God would remove these wicked shepherds and raise up new ones who will care for his people in a proper manner. And he would also give them a new king, one as they had never had before, whom he called a righteous branch. Jeremiah 23 verses 5 and 6 give us the Lord's assured promise about this. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely, and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell securely, and this is the name by which he will be called, the Lord our righteousness. In other words, God would raise up a new king coming from David's line, like a new shoot or branch often sprouts from the stump of a felled tree. God introduces this in his call, Behold. That is, take special note of what I'm saying, for this is something certain. We know that this was not fulfilled till many years had passed after Jeremiah recorded them. The people had no king of their own after the exile. The Davidic line of kings was like a hewn tree, just a stump in the ground, and was over and finished. But that was not so, for God had his purposes of redemption to save a people for himself. This righteous branch would be the new king of God's people, sprouting forth as a new branch, and he would act wisely, and he would govern by justice and righteousness. The effect of his reign would be the Lord's people would be secure. Gone would be fear and anxiety and disquiet, and in its place there would be lasting joy and calm and security. They would enjoy the Lord's salvation, and in him peace with God. The question arises then, who was this great king called the branch? And the answer is the Messiah, the long-promised redeemer of God's people, the Lord Jesus Christ. He came from the line of David, as God covenanted with David to bring about in 2 Samuel 7. Further, this righteous branch, who is God's appointed king, has a kingdom that shall never end. The angel Gabriel declared precisely these things to Mary in Luke chapter 1, verses 31 to 33. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. He cares for his people like no other king ever. 
He secures their eternal safety because he has bled and died for them on the cross, providing atonement for all their sins. He continues to intercede for them at the Father's throne, so that their eternal security will never ever be in doubt. This blessed branch, this glorious Messiah, cares for his dear children every day of their lives, is with them in all circumstances, and will never fail them. And all this because he is the righteous branch, free from all corruption and sin. And there is yet more. This righteous branch, Jeremiah tells us, will be called the Lord, our righteousness. This is truly remarkable, yet just what we sinful people need, a righteousness that is perfect. Such is the righteousness of Christ, for he was without sin, and he grants that righteousness to all who trust in him, a righteousness that can stand the searching scrutiny of Almighty God. Paul refers so many times to this in his letters, but just consider 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. How blessed to know and belong to Jesus, who is truly a righteous branch. Yes, indeed it is, and thank you to Derek French for sharing this with us. Well, that brings to a close this edition of Serving Today. If you'd like to contact us about anything you've heard, the details follow shortly. So this is Andrew Cook saying goodbye and may God bless you. Well, thanks for listening to Serving Today, a podcast from the Grace Baptist Mission radio team. To get in touch with us, you can send us a message via WhatsApp. The number is plus four four seven five zero eight nine three two five three four. That's plus four four seven five zero eight nine three two five three four. Or email us. The address is servingtoday at gbm.org.uk. Until next time, goodbye.